I came across um, Pollock's program, everything just clicked for me. Immediately, I knew that this was the program. Like, it checked all the boxes, specifically the ability to have passive income, right, was huge for me. So I remember coming into the program, I was like, this is it. We are not doing short-term rentals. We are going all in to this birth strategy. This is going to be the business that I focus on. Hey, this is Pollock, and what you're about to hear is a very special episode with one of the investors from our Portfolio Mastery Program. We call these Sensei Sessions. These interviews are designed to give you a perspective about what you can achieve with the right strategies and execution. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to check out the show notes for a link to speak with one of our senior advisors who can help you reach your investment goals. Effie, let's start off by just getting a sense of you as you without the real estate stuff. So where do you live? What do you do? And then how did you get into our community and world? Well, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm Effie Tchaikovsky, um, currently living in New Jersey. I'm originally from Ghana. Um, wife and mom of four kids. Um, I've, I've had a couple businesses in the past before I went into this program. So really, I feel like this is really a, a culmination of everything I've done. It has really led me to this, this spot. So very excited to be here. I think that's so interesting how you said that. I'd love to know from people who are joining us today how you feel that as well. Like if you feel like the experiences that you've had before, whether it was a career or a business or, or whatever it is you did, it kind of is culminating into this point as an investor. I'd love to hear that. So Effie, how did you decide on investing in real estate investing after you had done all the things that you did before? So Real me, and if I go on too long, no, I want to hear it. Yeah, it was. It's really been a lot of things. I really say my journey started like back in my early teens. Um, I remember reading Richard Branson's autobiography. Um, my dad was like a huge book book person. We, I, I read all sorts of biographies um, growing up, and I remember reading Richard Branson's biography, and something about that resonated with me so well. Um, he, he had built this huge empire of not just one business, right? And it was just this huge empire. And I think right after reading that, back then I, I knew what I was going to do. Like as a child, people would ask me, what do you want to do? I was like, I'm going to own my own business and I'm going to build a business empire. And that was my goal right from childhood. So I, I said that to say that has literally been my, my, my story. And I, and I joke, recently I was telling my husband, I've been talking about building a business empire for so long, but it turns out that I'm actually starting to build a real estate empire. So, but it really started from then. I always wanted to be a business owner. I always knew that that's what I wanted to do. Fast forward, um, coming into corporate America um, and having kids. There was one particular, I think, incident that really turned the... The, the desire back for me. I had had my second child. She was born at 27 weeks, so very premature. Um, had to be in the NICU for two months. And I remember the entire time that she was in the NICU, my, my days were just wake up, take my first daughter to daycare, come back to the NICU, sit with her all day, get my daughter, go home. And that was the cycle. And then two, two months in a week, she came home. Um, they Typically in the NICU, they let you bring your babies home at like five pounds. So this was like a five pound old baby, still very small, still very tiny, had come home after two and a half, two and two months and a week at being at the NICU. And then I had to return to work three weeks later. And I remember being so devastated. I mean, she was like five pounds. I was not ready to go back. So I think that was the moment that I was like, 
I really have to take my own life <laughs> really into my own hands. That was when my desire, my passion to um, start a business began. And it, it took from that time to a couple of years later for me to finally quit my job. But I think that was really when I started to learn more about financial, um, just creating wealth, building business, creating a legacy. So I really got into the whole financial wealth <laughs> industry, like lots of books and topics about how to create wealth. And I know one of the things that had always stuck out with me then was this idea of you don't need massive income to become financially free, right? Really, all you need is enough passive income. And I remember that sentence really stuck with me. So I always knew at some point that I was going to create some sort of a business that I would eventually be able to remove myself from and have it create passive income for me. Nice. Uh, that was always the goal. Um, and so on the back end as well, my husband and I were starting to prepare ourselves, right, to for me to quit my job, to get back on one income, because you know how it goes, you get two incomes and your lifestyle increases. And, you know, that was a whole plan around really creating that plan to eventually be able to quit my job and focus on that. Um, so that was really the plan. And I think I took a little bit of a um, curve. I think it all led me here. I started, I quit my corporate job, um, opened a paint and sip business. It was one of the painting and wine businesses. Um, so I did that for, um, a couple of years and then I had my fourth child by surprise. <laughs> that was a fun surprise. We had three kids. We're already you know, balancing business and starting a new business, having the three young kids. And then I had a fourth child and it got really hard to manage it all. Um, it was different things. So just balancing everything. I found out that I needed systems um, in my home and my business to just really keep everything running. Um, so I decided to hire a manager to come in to really manage the day-to-day -day of the businesses because I had to take myself out of the business a little bit. And that's when I realized that the brick and mortar business was not very sustainable and did not fit into the goal that I had, which was really being able to do something that could become passive. And so I, I pivoted from that brick and mortar business um, into coaching and consulting other moms because one of the lessons that I had learned then was really this idea of not having systems to make my whole life work, right? It was really hard to build this business. It was really hard to make sure that I had time to be present at home. So I pivoted into a, um, actually not pivoted. I got, I, I was um, kind of fell into it and started to do coaching on the side and consulting other moms and just really sharing my experiences running my own business as a mom of four. And that eventually led into like a full scale business. But ultimately I ended up selling my brick and mortar business because again, it wasn't sustainable. It really required a lot more hands-onness. I found out that it wasn't a fit for my personality. Um, I'm a huge introvert. It was a lot of like socializing. I found out that it wasn't a, a fit for my personality and then transitioned to coaching the consulting um, um, full-time. And then my husband and I came back to the idea of passive income. How are we going to build passive income? So bringing it back to real estate, just before I joined the program, I had started to look into short-term rentals. So we had actually looked at a property out in the Poconos in Pennsylvania that we were going to buy and use it as a second home slash um, short-term rental property. And we, we had actually put an offer on a property, um, and there was something wrong with the roof and we had to pull out. And it was right around that time that I came across um, Palak's program. Mm -hmm. Learning about the Burr 
uh, method, just everything just clicked for me immediately. I knew that this was the program. Like it checked all the boxes, you know, with the tax benefits, the ability to have active income if you wanted to do, um, if you wanted to deviate from the program and do some flips, but the ability to have active income, but specifically the ability to have passive income, right, was huge for me. So I remember coming into the program, I was like, this is it. We are not doing short-term rentals. We are going all in to this birth strategy. This is going to be the business that I focus on. Um, so I came in there with like big goals. I knew I wanted to have a certain amount of passive income by a certain amount of time. And that's what really um, got me you know, like coming in full swing into the program. Yeah. I love it. And you said it, you came out swinging. So <laughs> tell everybody how many properties you have right this moment. So um, I've closed on five deals so far. So it's four single family properties and one triplex. And I, I just went on the contract for a flip. So Okay. All right. But I want to, because we talked about this just a little bit before we came on today. And you did this very quickly after you started the program. So I want to dig into that just a little bit. Clearly, as you've described to us, your passion and you are a an entrepreneur. Like you, it sounds like you you like to start things, you have huge ideas, and then you decided to go all in once you started the program. Yeah. What do you think helped you act so quickly after you started? So I would say a couple things, right? I think the first thing was I um had done different businesses, right? And so I've, I've seen the gamut of different businesses, the ups and downs, um, just knowing that with every business comes challenges that you're just going to have to push through. So I think just came in, coming in, really just approaching it as a business um, was key because I it was a business. I, I had a plan for it. I knew the targets that I wanted to hit. And that's how I came in approaching it. No tried to keep emotions out of it, knowing that, you know, I had a plan to follow and I would, I could follow it to be successful. Um, but then also I think it was the fact that, um, one, I came in ready to purchase because we had just come out of trying to purchase a property, but also the fact that I came in wanting to almost have like a trial part of my business, right? Every business, I feel like there's the first couple of years where you're taking off in that business, right? There's that first couple of years where you're setting the business up, getting the foundation started, seeing what you like, seeing what your strengths are in the business, um, seeing how you're going to do certain things. So I came in with that mindset. When I came in with four properties, I don't think I even came in really to buy four, but I know I came in thinking I'd do more than one to start because I did want to um, test it out. I wanted to test out different zip codes. I wanted to test out maybe different contractors, different project managers and different lenders, right? At the same time and have that first year or so be my trial period. So that's what, that was the plan. I went in for the four properties. They were in different zip codes. One of them was in um, a, zip, a, a zip code in Philly, 19143. But even then I tested out two different areas in that zip code, you know, the King Sessing and Cobbs Creek. And it was very intentional. I wanted to just go full in, really immerse myself into the process, really take all the hits, take the learnings, like just do it so that I could then start to take my second year and beyond to really scale. Um, and so that was really my approach for going at it. Okay. Okay. So you're in New Jersey and you picked those two in Philly. Where else did you pick and how did you make that determination? I know it sounds like you were trying to do a widespread, like I'm going to figure out 
by going wide and, and, and picking some zip codes. How did you find the ones that you eventually decided to end up on? Well, so it was a widespread, but also very targeted. I knew I had to do Philly. By right? coming in, um, Pollock and Edie invested in, in, in Philly. I didn't want to, like, if it's not broke, <laughs> don't fix it. They, they, they was a tried and tested market. It was one hour away from me. So I, I kind of came in knowing I want to do Philly. I want to be close enough that I can, you know, check in on my contractors and go see my properties and everything if I wanted to. Um, in terms of the actual zip codes, I drove around, right? So I I was familiar with certain parts of Philly, like, you know, the Please Touch Museum, that area around Fairmont Park. I was familiar with it. So I had driven around that area, picked out 19132 as an area to focus on um, because it was growing. I had talked to, actually, the very first time, actually, to take a step back, I had spoken with a couple of realtors. And anytime I spoke with realtors, I, one of the questions I would ask is, what areas are you thinking? Are you seeing people investing? Which areas are up and mm. I know. Good um, question. I down, yeah, I had sat down with one of the first realtors I spoke to, and he had taken me around the 19132-19121 zip code and just started to talk about how to look at the, the areas, how to really pick out certain streets and start to track the development and seeing where it, you know which areas would be on the cusp of benefiting from those um, areas as well. So I did that. Um, for 19132, 19143, um, I think it was something similar. I'd spoken with a realtor and she was telling me about a lot of um, appreciation going on in the Cops Creek area. So then I picked that area. And then my one property was actually by chance. One of the wholesalers that I worked with on another property found this property and said, I think you really should go in here. This neighborhood is great. I think you'll like it. And then so my husband and I drove out there. Um, we loved it. The house came with a garage. And so we just mm. fell into that. So that's, that was um, how I picked those. Those two. Yeah. So it sounds like you put in a lot of time too. Like I, I've got a question here from Procruti about money, but I'm going to hold off on just a second. But, but you visited the cities, right? So you visited Philly for sure. And then in terms of finding the people you were deciding to, to, to use, like the realtors and the the, how did you find those people? The first realtor I found, I think I looked at listings and in Zillow. So it was really in Zillow. I had a realtor attached to the listing. I don't think it was the listing agent, but I had called a couple realtors that I was finding on listings and it was really hard. Some people don't call you back. Uh, and so the few that I spoke to, I just kind of went with energy. This realtor, I loved him, you know, before the first time I spoke to him, after we finished speaking, you know, learned a little bit more about me and what I was looking to do. He was like, you know, come to Philly. Let's go sit at a, a cafe. Let's talk. I'll show you some of the the, the, the parts of the area. Um, so I liked that about him. He was very, he told me about some other programs that he had done and just, he was really um, good and resourceful in terms of sharing all his, his thoughts with me. So I liked that with him. And then the other places, the other um, realtor that I found was also, I think something similar. I had just looked at bigger pockets, actually looked at bigger pockets, found a realtor on there. And then the, my other properties have been through wholesalers. Okay. Okay. What other markets did you invest in early? So it was two in Philly and then where else? Oh, no, it's all in Philly. So it's oh, all, all. Oh. Codes in Philly. Yeah. And then oh, not too far from each other. They're all in a setting. Okay. Um, they're, not, they're not too far from each other, but I wanted to test out different zip codes. Okay. 
No, that makes sense. So then did you use everything? Yeah. Did you use the same people for all of those things? And as far as contractors and the, the people who, or does each zip code get its own special person to help you with it? <laughs> no, the original plan had been to use find different contractors. So that was my first mistake in the program. It, initially, I wanted to go with four different contractors, test them out, see how they did, even time them because I had gotten these properties all around the same time. So really to see who would finish first. And then my first contractor managed to talk me into using him for three of my properties. So I had I had one, one contractor for one property where I was doing a very light rehab. And then my one contractor talked me into using him for the three properties and he couldn't handle it. So he started the first property, things were going well. And then what, as I closed on the other two, I could tell that he didn't live up to what I expected. So that was a little mistake there. Good lesson learned to really trust the my plan and really trust my instincts. Cause I I it took me a while to fire him because I kept on giving him the benefit of the doubt for way longer than I needed to. But yeah. I, I want to talk more about that in a little. But I have a question here from Procruti who said, Did you have to work with multiple hard money lenders to be able to do multiple rehabs all at the same time? So actually, I ended up working with multiple hard money lenders, right? So I, I worked with Easy Street um, for two of my deals. And I know with them, after my second deal, they wanted to see that I had closed a full cycle before I took on another loan with them. So then I went with um, Rehab for one, and then Quanta, which was another um, HML that I found on my own for the other. So it was three, yeah, three hard money lenders. Um, across the the first four okay. investments. Yeah. Okay. I've got a question here from Kirsten. Um, amazing, amazing, Evie. I'm always interested in the financials for success when we all are starting to get started. Did you start out with a specific amount, like a chunk of cash, or are you able to utilize your previous homes before open spaces, that equity for investment? So I had said we were looking to buy a short-term rental. So we had some money earmarked for purchasing that. And so I, that was one of the things that actually um, sold that Burr program to me because just comparing how much I'd have to put down for that property versus being able to put something into a property, Burr, and then take it out, that was huge because back then it was really going to be a matter of saving up a little bit, buying a short-term rental, saving up again, buying a short-term rental. So Burr, when I learned about the Burr strategy, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. I can put my money in and pull it out. So we did have a chunk of money um, saved up for that. And then we also tapped into our home, um, our HELOC, to be able to do more deals as well. This is a great question from Beth. How do you find good contractors while out of state? I'm having a hard time finding contractors that are licensed and bonded. Honestly, luck and referrals like the current contractor that i'm in someone referred them to me for my accountability group it's um it, it's one of those things i had talked to about three contractors that i was going to 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 use um and it seemed fine right the the one that i you ended up using ended up not being the best but i had two others that i had started talking to that i kind of let go of when I decided to just go all in on this guy. Um, so, I mean, I think it was really a matter of, I asked my HML, my hard money lenders, um, contact actually for any contractors they knew. Um, I had a wholesaler from New Weston give me a list of contractors as well. 
And then the realtor that I had talked to gave me one. But even he said, I'm giving you this one. I I, I can't vouch for him because good contractors go bad. So he really warned me about just with contractors, you know, it's hit or miss, but I, I really like the one that I currently have right now. He's great, he's on time. And so you will find it. You might have to go through a lot, but then I think with the contractors, don't pay up front, right? That was the mistake that I made. I did not listen to the program. Palak and Nidhi kept stressing, don't pay too much, just give a little bit. With him, I silly of me, I went ahead and started paying him by this set amount per week. And so that really was the lesson I learned to not do that. So that really hurt me a little bit in the beginning, but um, it's really just don't pay them in, in, um, a huge amount. And then maybe you can test a few just by talking to them. Also, I also think that if I had given this one contractor just one project at a time, it may have been a different thing. I think he was just overwhelmed with three properties. He probably just talked a good game and made me think he could take on more than he really could because he really was doing okay, sending me updates. And then when I added more properties, it kind of fell apart there. So. Can you can you kind of explain to us when it started to go off the rails? Like if, if you have a contractor who uh, is who starts out strong, can you just start talk about what maybe you will know notice from now going forward where things are just not working right? Yeah. So I think with the updates, right? In the beginning, it was great. At almost daily, he would send me videos of his guys in there and what they were doing. And then that started slowing that down. And then um, one of the things I think Palak and Needy have talked about is going paying visits there if you're if you're nearby, right? Being able to go in there and check the work. Um, and I think Nidhi or Palak had mentioned sometimes go unexpected. I always felt bad doing that. I don't know why. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I don't want to feel like I'm just, you know, popping up on him. So I used to tell him when I would stop by. So I think when I would tell him, he would have all his people there. Because I remember one time I was in the area and I went in there and there was like one person there. Right. And then I went another time when he was supposed to be working and there was nobody. So that's when I started to notice that the updates started getting less frequent. Um, and yeah. And okay. and just if I had done more visits to him, I think I was too trusting of him, like really followed the process, really take emotions out. Right. And just really make sure that you're treating this um, as a business and really checking in on, on this stuff. I think the check ins would have been great um, as well. Something that. Effie has been bringing up is gold and I didn't want to miss the opportunity to bring that up here is almost everyone who is successful at this has had setbacks. There is no way, even if you follow everything that we're saying, there's no way you can follow everything we're saying on the first property, right? Because there's, it's just, you're building a whole business. You, you're going to miss certain things and you're going to run into things that you completely didn't expect. Almost everyone runs into setbacks. And the big thing that I'm hearing from Effie again and again is I made this mistake. I learned from my mistake. So sometimes I even dragged it on for too long before I learned from my mistake, but I figured it out. And now this is how I'm doing it. And I think it's so important for anyone who's just starting out or if you're trying to, you know, go from single to multifamily, go from borrowing to flipping, go from doing one deal at a time to three deals at a time. Every time you try to take that step up, you will run into problems and you may lose money, you will make money, you will 
hire bad people and then you learn from your mistakes and you won't manage money correctly and you'll learn from that. This is constant because you're going to constantly grow this business. And every time you grow it, there's something new to learn. There's a new setback. So get comfortable with those setbacks right in the beginning. Know that it's a part of this business because you're going to grow this, right? So I love that you mentioned that, Effie, because like somebody who's starting out, they look at you and they're like, she got one deal, but she got three deals in the first month in the program, right? She just knows what she's doing. She's got five bars now. She's got a flip going now. It's been just a year. It, this is just a different kind of individual who knows what they're doing. And that's why, they, no, she figured it out. The big thing is you ran into problems and you just solved them and you kept moving forward. So wanted to just bring that up and make sure, you know, as those of you are starting out, those of you are scaling, every time you grow, you're going to hit that setback. And that's, it's a part of growth. It so is. just get comfortable with that right in the beginning. And it's that new level, new devil, right? Yeah. New level, new devil. I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And one, two things actually to that point, right? I, I've done other businesses before. I mean, I remember in my brick and mortar business, I mean, I had losses <laughs> that don't even compare to this, right? One of the things was, you know, I had issues with a town permit opening up my business that delayed my opening for like months. And I was paying rent on that um, studio. So I, I think I'm familiar with, in every business, there will be losses. The losses in birth don't even compare. And even better, you recoup them at the end, right? So in some of these properties, the losses I may have made, you know, in the contractor phase, this property that I'm talking about appraised for 23000 higher than I thought it would appraise for. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Essentially recoup. So That's I think, for me, yes, yes. I think <laughs> the fact that I came in with a business mindset, like there's losses everywhere. In your brick and mortar, you would have a roof leak and had to deal with that, right? So I came in with this mindset that any any mistakes were really lessons for me to learn, and I will never make the same mistakes again, right? Like, yeah. so on my bigger properties, I'm I now I know I'm not going to go for a contractor and pay them upfront ever again because I learned that lesson now. So yeah. it's like the first pancake. The first pancake you fry is always gonna be like the like burned, burned, right? So yeah, oh my I love it. The first pancake that is brilliant. That's I a great analogy. It. Okay, Effie, we I think we want to hear numbers. Whatever numbers you're willing to share, you have however many properties, what you bought them for, the ARVs, and um, and all of that. Please. All right, let me see. I think I brought a sheet out here, so. like your spreadsheet, right? Because you yep. have so many. Yeah. Um, so with with the first property, I got it for um, fifty five thousand, and I put in I put in about let's see fifty five um, in there, and that was even with all the mistakes, right? I had to correct things, so I I went over the initial budget. This property then appraised for one sixty. Well, so I have a story with this. So one sixty seven. Um, eventually I had to do another appraisal and it came down a little bit to 163. I'll I can tell that story. Um, so that was that first property. But again, it appraised for way higher than I expected. I was expecting this to appraise at like 140, 145. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was really high for that one. The second property I bought for 70,000, um, put in about 55 as well to this one. And this one appraised for 202. So with this, <laughs> with this, wow. Property, yeah. With this property, I actually pulled out all my money. And then I think I made like 3000 on this deal. 
Oh my God, that is, what is that? 80K in equity on the first, on the second one? Amazing. The one I'm praised way higher. Oh my God. Wow. And that's one, that's one deal. That's, that's one of one them. deal, you guys. And yeah. equity is only a part of this. Yeah. There's Amazing. cash flow, tax savings, yep. appreciation. It's insane. All of it. it. Okay. What's yeah. next? Um, the third property was, um, I got it for 115. I overpaid on this one, got emotionally involved um, on this one. Um, but even then, my rehab was, again, around 60. They, these two, this was the second property that I worked. Um, I made a bit of a mistake with the contractor because, again, this property, I think I was supposed to spend maybe 50, 55. It ended up being about 60. Um, and then, but yet, it's still appraised at 223. Oh, wow. Um, for this property, um, this property, I still left money in the deal, but it was about, this was probably the deal that I left the most in, maybe about 20,000-ish, but this area is also appreciated. So down the line, I may choose to sell it or whatever I need to do um, to it. And then the fourth of the first, um, the single family homes was, I got it for 105. Um, I only put in about 30,000 in rehab, because again, I was testing out, um, doing full gut rehabs, and doing buying properties that were moderately fine that I could just do a cosmetic rehab. I wanted to test out how it would affect the appraisal. And so this one ended up being, you know, I, I put in only about 30,000 and it appraised for 194. So with this one, again, I managed to get like a huge cash out from it. Wow. I don't think I pulled everything out yet, but I left very little money in this deal as well. Um, and then the last one was the triplex that I did. The triplex was a a really good deal to begin with um, that uh, a wholesaler had um, presented to me that I got for 69,000, which is crazy. That's uh, crazy. 68,500. Um, and then I put in about um, less 90 something in this. And with this one, I'm expecting it to appraise and potentially pull out close to like 50,000 from that. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Congratulations. Uh, that is really incredible. And uh, do you have a number for all of your assets now that you have, that you own property-wise? Yeah. The last time I checked, it's, definitely, it's about 1.2 um, million with everything, with the triplex included. Yeah. So I know it's pretty crazy to me. Yeah. How do you feel about your business now? Do you <laughs> feel it's a business? Yeah. 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 No, I, it's, it's, I, it's really, and I keep saying this, right? Like out of everything that I've done, I'm, I, I love the potential in there. And this is with all the mistakes I made, right? And this was really the plan the first year to make all the mistakes and really gear up, you know, for more. But my goal is like, my husband says I'm crazy, but I'm like 50 at least in the next five years of like, you know, and I have like a set amount, but then, yeah, I think it, I really, really appreciate it because I also think not just the the potential to make income, but then the flexibility. Like, I don't, I, this is what I've been chasing, right? Like, ever since I quit my job, being able to have something where I'm able to use my talents, passions, you know, to do something, but then would still give me the time to be the present mom that I want to be at home. So, like, this is fantastic. Like, when my, my son was home during the summer, I took him to a closing, right? It was hard to be able to incorporate my kid into what I did um, until now. So, for me, that's really the, the, the best benefits of this business is the flexibility that it gives me. I want to ask you because um, you, you mentioned some mistakes that you made. Yeah. And, and, and maybe they were costly or they felt costly at the time. 
And now we are seeing it at the end where you're you're talking about the equity that you built up and it's amazing. But how did you how did you talk yourself through it at its most difficult in the very beginning when you didn't know it was going to work out well at the end? How did you talk yourself through that? What was your mindset like? So, I mean, for me, and that's one of the things that I, I do, right? So the thing I do in my business is really helping moms balance business and work. And one of the key pieces to me, one, one is my faith, right? So for me, I have my, I'm very um, faith oriented, oriented. So for me, everything is um, faith-based for me. And the work that I do, I find it to be something that I'm just doing. It, it, it's incorporating everything, including my purpose, right? So one of the things I always say to myself is to, one, have fun with it, but also to let go. So on the one hand, I'm very um, type A in that I have my goals and my plans and all the things that I want to make happen. But then also I recognize the need to loosen the grip a little bit, right? And to just leave some of it to, to faith, to God, to serendipity, whatever you believe in, right? Um, what is it? The alchemist talks about the whole universe conspires to give you what you want or whatever. For me, I believe God has my back, right? So my faith plays into this where every mistake I make is meant to, to, to be made, right? I had to make this mistake to learn this lesson. I had to meet this person to learn this thing or to do this deal. So I try to go with the flow, right? Understanding that I have a, a goal at the end, but then the journey is going to be up and down, but then I trust, <laughs> trust the journey, trust that who is on the journey with me, right? And just know that in the end, I will get where I need to be. So I feel like I'm always where I need to be. I truly believe that I'm always where I need to be and that God has my back through everything that I do. So really, yeah, how I keep myself going. I love that. We've got a lot of questions for you, Effie. We've got a question about money for you. Did the hard money lenders impose caps and restrictions on your funding because you were taking on multiple projects with multiple lenders simultaneously? So, you know what, I don't even know how that, because when I started, maybe because I did it all at once, right? Because I had a, with Easy Street, for example, I used a broker. So I'm trying to think, I mean, he had gotten me the two deals with Easy Street and he had come back to me to say they wouldn't give me another loan. And well, I don't think it was with caps because of caps on anything. It was just that they were not come. I was a first time investor and they had two loans out with me and they were like, we want her to close on one of the loans before we give her another loan. So um, I did use, I will say that I did use our HELOC in terms of liquidity to, to maybe they saw that, but um, I don't think they had any caps for me. It was really... I think sending in the documentation, it was, um, and I set up my website very early on and I'd always put it on any email correspondence that I had and really just would share my plans, right? Like with, with, with them, with my plans or where I wanted to go, my background as well. So, I mean, that's that question. I'm not sure. I don't think a lot of the, um, I don't, and they didn't know how many deals I was doing. I don't think, I don't think that easy, easy street knew cause I had two deals with them. I don't think, um, the other HMLs necessarily even knew that that was happening. That was right? going on. Yes, I think in the in the actually in in the in a section where you talk about your plans for the for the property. I think I talked about how I'm a real estate investor, so I'm looking to do this with multiple properties. But I don't think they asked any questions around what other properties I had. Mm. Yeah, uh, this is an interesting question, um, and I'm I'm kind of skipping around here. 
um, Prakriti said, did you ever feel over leveraged, that you over, over leveraged yourself too quickly? Or was the equity you created, it gave you the confidence that it would be okay? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was a lot. So I, I definitely do not advise any, everyone to go ahead and do four, right? I mean, I think because I came in already looking to purchase that the, the short-term rental we were going to purchase was required quite a big down payment. So I think I came in with that concept of you had to put in some money to invest, right? With a short-term rental, you would have to buy it, would have to renovate it, would have to put, bring it up to speed. Um, so now, now with, when I had all the money in without pulling things out, I definitely felt like, oh my goodness, all my money is in these deals. I don't see this income. Um, but then I reminded myself that we will pull this out. Right. And I, I really, if I were to go back and do it again, I probably wouldn't do four at a time, right? Maybe two, uh, maybe even three, but because yes, you do get to a point where all your money is tied up into these deals, but that's also why. Um, for this next deal, I'm doing a flip, right? The point of this flip is actually really to try and recoup some of that, pull some money out, get some liquidity back, and then be able to get going as, again as well. Yeah. Do you think it was a benefit that the people around you could see you as a business owner and the, your systems and processes were tight? And how did you do that? How did you show that? Um, I think for... um. And now, I, in my like I said in my website, I I typically have like a little background of, on, on me and what I'm doing and why. I've now been documenting my my properties on there, right? So I show the before and the after pictures. And so I think I began to build relationships with I one of the wholesalers that um, sold me the triplex. You know, I I sent her. A, my, my an email and I think my website was on it and she was like oh my goodness like the tripod looks really good I'm going to be bringing more deals to you and she is who I bought the flip from right so I think just um interacting with them and having them that having them see that you actually are going through these cycles and completing these projects I think helped as well yeah yeah and you're documenting it and making yeah. them making it be making it um, aware making yeah. them aware that you have it so here's an interesting question to you from Kirsten regarding keeping an eye on contractors for those of us out of state. Is it legal and integrity, ethical to put a nest camera on the garage and entry area so we know the contractor crews are there? Is that too creepy? No, I think Ala Kennedy do advice that you could do that, right? I mean, you could have someone um, that you trust, either, either a realtor or someone in the program um, go check on it on a weekly basis for you, maybe FaceTime calls. Um, but yeah, I think the ring camera for sure um, would at least show you when, how often they're going in and who's going into the property um, as well. It's not like you have a tenant in there and you have a camera right. pointing at them, right? It's a vacant property. It's your property. It's your asset. You put whatever you want in there. It's yeah. your asset. We have to protect our assets. So yeah. whatever works for you, I think it's, it's a good idea. Um, was your rent on these properties able to support the higher appraised value? Yeah. Yeah. So for all the properties, I think I have cash flow, right? So I think my cash flow is ranging from my lowest is around $27. That's again, that's a property that I think I do want to sell because I, I track everything in terms of how much I put in, how much is in there. That it ranges from 27. I have one that is around 100 
And then my cash flow for the property that I did, the light rehab was actually pretty high. It's around 400. And that tenant has just re-signed. Her lease comes up in December and she just re-signed her lease at a higher rent. So that should be going up as well. I would love to hear personally how you back-end manage all of these properties. Spreadsheets, like how do you how do you do the back-end part? Yes. So I mean, one of the things that sold me into this program was systems, right? <laughs> because I, you, I, I, I got to a point in life where I realized I needed systems to manage my life and business. I mean, for nothing too crazy. I really just had a, a, a spreadsheet tracker that I track everything um, about the properties, right? The money going in, out, insurance, the rents, the cash flow. And then details about the properties as well, if it's electric or gas, you know, all those all those details. So I, I do track them in there. And then I have property managers as well, too, who who manage the properties for me. So that's that's huge as well. It sounds like your business owner, your business experience is really helping because really you are assembling a team. This is your team. This is how you're getting all the things done. You're not wielding a hammer. You're not collecting rent checks. You're really managing the team of people who are helping to grow this business. So what are some tips that you can share with the rest of us on how to maybe think differently or put these put these things into place to look at it more like a business, like you look at it? So a couple of things, different things. Um, yeah. So really, at every, I always look at businesses like organizations, right? So I have this... Um, framework that I use in like business and home, which is like getting ahead. And I think it's similar to things that um, Halak has spoken about, right? So really in the beginning, I'm all about assessing. One of the things I'm really big on is building a business that fits me, fits my personality, fits my my strengths, right? So I, I, I keep talking about how I'm a huge introvert. I, I like certain ways of communicating. I've made sure to hire people that are fit for that, right? That was one of the biggest lessons I learned in my brick and mortar business, right? You could have a business that's doing well, but if you don't enjoy running it, then what's the point, right? So really taking that big picture first and foremost to really figure out why you're making, why this business connected to your overall purpose and overall wealth goals, right? But then also really deciding what type of business you want to build. Do you want to be more hands-on? Do you want to be more hands-off? That really is the first step. And then once I do that, my next step is like really handle my CEO business, right? Figuring out the things that you and only you can do. So Halak and Eddie talked about the, the deal analysis. That is huge, right? That is the one piece that I'm really particular about doing and running the numbers and confirming the ARVs, doing all those things. Um, but then once I have those things that only I can do, I'm really fine with just doc, you know, delegating to everyone else, right? So one, I eliminate things that are not important. One of the things that I learned um, early on was, I think I came across this quote that was something about, I want to get to a point in life where I'm not getting more things done, but where I have less things to do. So that's a huge philosophy in my life. I like to keep my life super simple, really eliminate anything that does not need to be in there. So when it comes to like work, commitments, time, obligations, anything, right? Really keeping a key set of things that you really have to keep an eye on and letting the rest of it go. Um, yeah. Letting it go, eliminating it completely or finding people to handle those things for you um, as well. So it's really 
deciding what the key things are that you must really handle and then figuring out how to deal with the rest, the rest of those items. We're all in the program. Can you talk about some elements in the program that helped you as you were going through all of the things you were doing all at once regarding Burr? What are, what are some key things that we can tell people who are here on the program to kind of go back to like, hey, don't forget this lesson. And you've kind of talked about it a little bit. You know, don't forget what Pollock said about this. Don't forget what Needy said about that. Some things in particular that are reminders for all of us yeah. as we're going forward. And you know what? I brought some notes with me. So this is the time because I did, I did write a few things, right? It's really following and trusting the process, right? I mean, I think the first key is that mindset shift coming in here. And I think one of the things that helped me move fast was I came in here and I wasn't second guessing, is this going to work? Is real estate the right thing to invest in, right? Like I came in here sold on real estate and especially sold on the Burr method, right? So I think really um, getting yourself to the point where you're really sold on this, right? Because why do it if you're not sold on? Like really go on and really decide to trust um, this process. And then once you trust it, then follow it, right? Pollock and Nitty have a fantastic, fantastic program. I've done so many different courses, right? This is so robust. It has everything you need. So really following this program to the T. Of course, make it your own. It's your own business. You're going to tweak certain things to yourself, but really following it. And I think really listening to the pieces of advice, right? The, the things, the deal analysis, definitely do the deal analysis. Don't get swayed by emotions, right? Don't try and force numbers to work. Sometimes I find myself, if I really like a property and I'm pulling comps and the ARVs are not as high as I want, I'm like, well, but maybe it might go up, right? And I start to try to talk myself into it. And I'm always having to remind myself, nope, nope, nope. Look at the numbers, look at the data that's in front of you and make decisions um, based on that, right? So really, really following and trusting the process and not second guessing it, right? Because if you're wavering and anytime something happens, you're like, oh, well, this doesn't work. You're going to slow yourself down, really committing to the process, knowing that it does work. It does work. It is a solid path to financial wealth and financial cre wealth creation. Um, and then just going through it. Um, you'll make mistakes like we've talked about, right? It's all part of the journey. But again, like I say, every mistake you're made, you're supposed to make that mistake. Just learn from it and keep that bigger picture um, in mind. And then also connecting it to what you're doing to your, I think your overall purpose and your life wealth plan or whatever, right? I think that's one of the big pieces as well. For me, the work I do really is connected to my purpose and what I feel like I'm put on earth to do, right? So it's really finding work that brings me joy, finding work that uh, makes an impact, right? I always talk to women. Women like to not, and to women specifically, I'm sure other people as well, women in particular, we like to not make money, right? We like to not feel like, you know, we don't want to make money or we just want to make enough as long as I make enough for my family, take a, a vacation here and there. I had to challenge myself because that's almost thinking too small. That's almost being too selfish in your thinking, right? Because that tells me that I'm only thinking about myself and my family. For me, money is about impact, right? The impact that I could have. So what are the things that I want to um, give back to? I'm from Ghana. There's lots of courses that I, I can give back to back home. So for me, that's really what drives me, knowing that I'm building wealth that's not just for me, right, and my family, but just gives me a, the ability to really make impact on different causes that um, I want to be a part of. So that's Abby, so good. And Anessa says, what took you so long to get in the sensei session? 
What took you so long? You've inspired us, but now I'd love for you, for those of us who maybe are, it's not taking our time, which is completely fine. Cause again, we are all our, on our own journey, but sometimes fear is a great motivator as well. What would you say for those uh, who are, are sort of like worried about taking that next step, whatever that next step is? Yeah. And I mean, I think this again goes back to your why, right? Your why purpose, what is it that grounds you in life? What do you believe in, right? What do you believe you're on earth to do? What do you believe the the purpose or the reason for making money is, right? I think those are the things that will really make this meaningful and not just something you're doing, right? Being able to connect it to your entire life. For me, I connected to wealth. I connected to my family. Um, and so just really going for it, right? I'm understanding how it fits into. If you're a person of faith, know that, you know, God has your back. You know, whatever you believe in, the, the universe has your back, right? So it's really important for me to realize that this is not, it's it's not like separate from my being. It's it's just a part of everything that we do, right? It's it's your work, your life, just everything you touch um, can be used to be a reflection of you know, your beliefs, so. This has been so inspirational, Effie. Thank you so, so much. Don't forget, when you're ready to get serious, you can join us at theinvestoraccelerator.com. It's like getting a thousand episodes worth of information in five days, and it's everything you need to build your actionable plan to financial freedom and making work optional.